On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we got awards and we got hungry lions that need to eat. That's right, we're talking the Hindsight Awards, Best Picture nominees, and the gentleman from Guy Ritchie. Get your popcorn ready. There once was a young and foolish dragon who came to ask a wise and cunning lion about acquiring his territory. The lion tells the little dragon, Oh, goody. He started a war. You're forgetting the laws of the jungle. The young succeed the old. It's really warming up now. There's only one rule in this jungle. When the lion's hungry, he eats. The Gentleman. Rated R. Welcome all you good movie buddies to The Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Malhorn. David, how you doing today? I'm doing well. We're getting ready for Super Bowl, and immediately after that, an earlier... Showing of the Oscars. There's so much hap- There's so much happening right now with our obviously our regular, actual, real day-to-day actual job. There is so much going on right now. For some reason, the end of January and the beginning of February is just like go time. But you're right. There's also the Super Bowl. There's the Oscars. There's Sundance that's happening right now. There is so much happening, and so we're gonna we're gonna kind of j- and there's also. I mean, we the gentleman, one of your most anticipated movies, absolutely that we're going to talk about as well. So we're going to kind of do a grab bag edition of the popcorn diet. Here is actually something that I might consider doing more often, depending on the film, because the gentleman I feel like is a film that doesn't necessarily need a spoiler conversation. Um, I think you can talk enough about it openly without delving too much into spoilers and and be able to have a pretty decent conversation about it but we'll we'll test that theory but the first thing i want to do before we talk about the gentleman and before we get into that we got to talk about the oscars and we got to talk about our hindsight awards and our hindsight awards are really important um, because we've done this for the past 2 years if i'm not mistaken and i'm not usually but we have done the Hindsight Awards. And when we did the Hindsight Awards, when we started the Hindsight Awards, we started them with the purpose of being able to look back at the years in film. And we originally did it five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But that is a lot of work. <laughs> It is. It's a lot of work, and and honestly, it's you take you're talking about a lot of movies at the same time. So for the third annual Hindsight Awards, for the Popcorn Diet's third annual Hindsight Awards, um, we're only looking at twenty years ago. So we have that. We have the Best Picture nominees. So what I first wanted, I wanted to spend a little bit of time, David, talking with you about the Best Picture nominees for the Academy Awards. One of the biggest reasons that I wanted to talk briefly with that about you is because I've now finally seen all of them. Um, now, let me go through them. I think you've seen most of them. If I have seen most. You've seen... I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We've both seen that. Yep. 
We both saw Joker. We both saw The Irishman. Mm-hmm. We both saw Ford v Ferrari. We both saw Jojo Rabbit. Um, and so I think my only question mark. Oh, in 1917, obviously. I'm only missing Parasite and Little Women. And Little right Women. Now. Oh, you saw Marriage Story as well. I did. You see Marriage Story. Okay, cool. So the first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about Little Women because, boy, was I wrong uh, about Little Women. And I, I wasn't excited. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't excited to see it. And I know you haven't seen it, so I'm, this might be just me preaching at you. Um, and you, like, ask during questions yep, at me, yep. testing, testing my resolve on it. But Little Women is a very, very, very good movie, David. Uh, it's it's a fantastic movie. And this is from me who has not who is not a little nor a woman, has never been, probably never will be, but you never know. Uh, <laughs> has never read the book, has never seen the movies. You've never read the book? I never read the book. What's wrong with you? I, did you read the book? Yeah. Really? Bullshit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you had to in school at some point. I cannot if I rem, if I read it, I didn't remember you it. You probably did the cliff notes. Um, that's actually probably very accurate. <laughs> didn't see the Winona Ryder version. Christian Bale, Samantha Mathis, like uh, didn't see any of these. And honestly, like for as good as Lady Bird was, it was never v- that high on any of my lists. Um, and. I just didn't have the anticipation for this movie that other people did. And then the conversations came out about, you know, oh, Greta, cool, awesome. Then the not Oscar nominations came out and Greta didn't get a Best Director nomination. Everyone was like, what, did Little Women direct itself? And I also think, and David, I think you share this opinion with me, that that argument's a little bit not a good argument because then obviously we're talking about Greta, but you have to talk also about James Mangold. You got to talk about Taika. You got to talk about Noah Baumbach and Marriage Story if you want to compare the nine Best Picture nominees to the five Best Director slots we have. But after seeing it, I'm on board the Greta should have got a nomination train. I'm on board the Florence Pugh train. I'm back on board the Chalamet Express it's just incredibly well made. It's 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 emotional. I cried a couple of times. Um, it's really good. Like it's joyful. I really bought the relationship between these sisters. Like they very much seemed like siblings. Um, the performances are great, and the way that she tells the story, the way that Greta, who adapted the screenplay as well, is nominated for an Oscar for that. The way that she adapted the screenplay and directed it. It just blew me away. It was just a fantastic movie. I really enjoyed it. As you often like to to uh, tease me about, I found it to be delightful. It just just like I found Brooklyn to be delightful, despite the fact that I'm like I'm not going to revisit Brooklyn again. Just mm-hmm. no passion behind there, but I, it's a very good movie. Will you revisit Little Women? I don't know. Maybe. Like again, maybe, maybe not. It might be Brooklyn. Like, but like if my sister. If Leah Theodosis, good friend of the podcast, was like, you want to watch Little Women? Like, yeah, sure. Put it on. I'll watch it. Um, so, yeah, I think I implore you to watch it. Well, I think not that you need I think imploring. there's a one thing that Little Women had against it for whatever reason. And this is without going too crazy on research. But one of the things that I think it faced an uphill battle against is that traditionally, uh, movies based off of classic novels. So if we talk about like Jane Eyre, Les Miserables, sure. Great Gatsby, yeah, 
Anna Karina, uh, Pride and Prejudice, Moby Dick, Sense and Sensibility, uh, I think of Mice and Men, War and Peace, Three Musketeers, Crime and Punishment, Oliver Twist. Like, have I listed anything that immediately screams? Oscar-winning. I remember *Sense and Sensibility* got nominations, but that's the only one. But again, there's tons of these books, and I could keep going. Great *Treasure Island*, *Lord of the Flies*, um, *The Invisible Man* is another one. *All Quiet on the Western Front*, like *Gulliver's Travels*, uh, *The Man in the Iron Mask*, like *Right*, *Beowulf*. If you want to throw, oh boy, (laughs) Robert Zemeckis shouts Uh, out to *Beowulf*. So, like, I could keep going, but I think we get the point in the sense that, like, there hasn't been a whole lot of successful, not that they were movies people hated. Sure. But they also weren't movies that, for whatever reason, got much love from the Academy. From the Academy, right. And so, I don't know if you face an uphill battle when you create a movie based off of such an iconic literary work. Literary work. Right. Where it's kind of like remaking a gone with the wind classic movie yeah the godfather in the sense of like there's no way to do justice something that's beloved right in a certain way and i think that's why probably why so many people really like little women and i haven't seen it mm-hmm. is that they feel like it does do that but i think from an academy perspective it's like you've got the ultimate source material like sure you didn't have to do much work to put this right on screen and i Again, I'm not on the Academy. I haven't talked to anybody, but maybe that is part of the why, reason why it's an uphill battle to get really the recognition and the credit for what sure. you deserve for translating a, a classic novel into a great movie. It's very likely. Um, now, which is, it begs to be said that Little Women is probably this 2019's Little Women is probably the most successful of those literary adaptations you listed off. Like, got six nominations. Yeah. Got acting nominations, writing nominations. It got, I think, costume. It got a Best Picture nomination. Greta, however, I also feel like you have to look back on, like, young ingenues, not ingenues, but, like, young upcoming directors. Very, very rarely, it happens, but very rarely do the Oscars award young upcoming directors or directors that were actors that transitioned over to directing case in point Ben Affleck Argo I also think one of the things that she had a challenge with as well is there's two ways to look when you have a loaded cast like what little women has right sometimes I could see people perceiving like you have so much talent like Right. It's like a basketball coach. Exactly. I knew that's what you were going for. If a sports team is stacked, like, you're not going to get recognition as a coach. Mm -hmm. You're going to get tons of, you know, shame and and criticism Mm -hmm. if you don't do well. Right. But if you do well, it's like, well, you should look at who you have on your team. Right. So, you know, there's a chance that that was working against her as well. Right. Um, again, none of these are making excuses or and none of these, I don't think, are things that you and I believe. Right. Would be valid reasons for why she didn't get nominated. But these are easily potential explanations for why. Of course. She didn't get it. I mean, listen, or it's because the Academy still has a lot of growing up to do. Sure. You know? Absolutely. So. Well, and I mean, remember how the Academy Awards are voted on like the primary people that would be saying Greta is nominated for our director Oscar are fellow directors right. and so 
And you, those fellow directors oftentimes can resent an actor that comes in and is good at directing. Exactly. Like so that you, is historic. If you want to complain to someone, Talk yell to, at all the directors. Go yell at Ang Lee. Go, go, yell, go yeah. yell at Spielberg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Scorsese, all of them. Go yell at him. It's fine. So, David, what is your rankings of – now, you haven't seen two of the nominees. You haven't seen Parasite or Little Women. Yeah. But if right now you were asked to rank the Best Picture nominees – what would you put your are, are we saying rank them by which movie I would want to watch and which one I like the your most enjoyment. or okay my enjoyment your enjoyment starting with what you think should win best picture not what will we'll do our predictions next week our final sure. predictions so for me it's 1917 okay followed by Once Upon a Time in Hollywood okay followed by Jojo Rabbit okay followed by The Irishman mm. followed by Ford v Ferrari okay Followed by Marriage Story. Okay. Followed by Joker. All right. So Little Women and Parasite could end up anywhere on that list. Sure. Could be on the top, could be in the middle, could be on the bottom. Haven't seen them. Not going to make a guess at them. Where they would be. Um, but that would be my personal rankings. Okay. So for me, little similarities, but also a little differences as well. And I readjusted. I also went back and readjusted my top 10 Shocker. from last year. I know. Well, I did it with 1917. Why can't I do it with this as well? Do it. Um, Irishman has moved down my list. Not saying it's bad and I don't like it. It's just I have a fiery passion for the other movies ahead of it mm-hmm. more so than I mm-hmm. did before. So my number one is still Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Still my favorite movie of the year. Just absolutely phenomenal. 1917, a very close second. Uh, Parasite at number three. Little Women at number four. Nice. Jojo Rabbit, number five. Ford v. Ferrari, six. Irishman, seven. Joker, eight. And then Marriage Story, nine. And again, I enjoyed all of these movies. Mm -hmm. But, like, I put Marriage Story at number nine as the movie that I will never revisit again. A phenomenally acted, phenomenally written, well-directed film that I have no desire to ever see again. Sure. So that's why that made the bottom of the list. So that's where we're at with that. Now, let's transition. Now that we talked about a little bit about the Best Picture nominees, let's talk about the Hindsight Awards. Again, as I mentioned before, the Hindsight Awards were born out of the idea that the Academy and even us, you and me, David, sitting here right now, we might not pick the best movies that grow and stay with us five years down the line, 10 years down the line. There are movies that stay within not only us, but also the pop culture consciousness, society in general. And the whole point of the Hindsight Awards is to take a look back and appropriately hand out the awards as we look back on them now, okay? And what we're doing is we are only, like I said, only looking at a single year this year, 1999, and what that means is that the Cider House Rules is not going to be getting any attention on uh, the Hindsight Awards. Yeah, because well, and because like you mentioned, it's all about not necessarily who, if we were grading this on a grade scale, right. who got the highest grade for their movie, right? which one was the most quality film mm-hmm. or anything like that. It factors in, that is a, that is a part of it. Sure. But I think it's bigger. The bigger factors are the impact it had on society. Is it still prevalent today? Like, do people still watch and talk right. about it today? Right. Like, if it was on TV, would you stop and watch it? Is it even right. on TV? Like, when's the last time you saw Cider House Rules 
being on any channel. On any channel ever. So those are the factors. So before anybody writes us messages about how crazy we are or how could we put this on the list, right? which there may be some of those. Sure. And and forewarning, Rick has most of the creative control on this. I do, although I will <laughs> I will say that I did put a long list. I, I took a long list of each category. We do the top six categories. We do all four acting categories. We do director and picture. And I took a long list. I looked back at all of the films of 1999, right? I'm talking... 10 Things I Hate About You, I'm talking Galaxy Quest, I'm talking South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut, The Hurricane, Man on the Moon, like there are, so, Boys Don't Cry, there's so many different movies that came out in 1999, and I pulled through them, and I looked at what was a standout performance in hindsight, what made a cultural significant, uh, what made a culturally significant impact, what are we still talking about what maybe is now considered to be one of those performers' best roles, like in hindsight, you know? And what I did is I took those long lists and I distributed it out to a number of our friends, a number of people within our close circle, and they're the ones who voted on what the top five should be for each one. Now, I made a couple of executive decisions. Sure. But for the most part, I actually didn't have as much creative control over this either. Um, But we did come down... With five nominees for each category except Best Picture, which has ten. As it should. Uh, as it should. And we're not doing this five to ten bullshit here. It's ten nominees at the Popcorn Diet. And, uh, David, I'm going to have you read off who we have for the uh, the different acting awards. But I'm going to start by saying who was nominated for the Oscar at the time, right? So for Supporting Actress back in back in the year 2000, but looking at 1999 in film, so the 72nd annual Oscars. It was Angelina Jolie who won for Girl Interrupted, Tony Collette for The Sixth Sense, Catherine Kinnear for Being John Malkovich, Samantha Morton for Sweet and Lowdown, and Chloe Sevigny for Boys Don't Cry. And after all of the votes tallied in, your input, my input, uh, a, a large amount of input, who do we have for our 1999 Hindsight Award nominees for Supporting Actress. We have Tony Collette for Sixth Sense, so, so she's, she's stuck still around. on the list. Angelina Jolie for Girl Interrupted, still on the stuck list. Stuck around. Uh, we added Carrie Ann Moss for The Matrix. Huge. Yep. Huge impact. We added Helen Bonham Carter for Fight Club, another movie. Another movie. Incredibly relevant today. Massive and impact. And massive and a, impact. And a good... And a, and another one we added, so we added three and, and kept two, yep. is Laura Dern for October Sky. October Sky, I think, very underrated film, and yet anytime you bring it up, people are like, man, October Sky is really good. And I think a lot of this was born out of the love for Laura Dern. Like, I don't know that necessarily a lot of people remember it, but Laura Dern, regardless... Big, big uh, year for her this year as well. So that's that's our nominees for Supporting Actress. For Supporting Actor... I can't believe uh, Reese, Wither- Reese Witherspoon didn't get it for Cruel Intentions. Didn't make it for Cruel Intentions. We had, I mean, <laughs> we had a longer list of nominees here. I'm trying to remember who was all on the longer list. There were people uh, to consider beyond, obviously... The, the list that we made, but some of them were actually a lot shorter. But like we considered uh, Cameron Diaz and being John Malkovich, Julianne Moore and Magnolia. Hell, even Christy Alley and Drop Dead Gorgeous. Like 
there are conversations that could be made for those, but ultimately these are the five that we went with. Um, supporting actor. Now, this was a fairly strong year, in my opinion, for supporting actor. Um, you had Michael Caine winning for the Cider House Rules. You had Tom Cruise for Magnolia. You had Michael Clark Duncan for The Green Mile. Jude Law for The Talented Mr. Ripley. And Haley Joel Osment for The Sixth Sense. There is one omission here. Like, if I could have done six nominees, and technically I could have because it's my award show. But Jude Law, I'm going to spoiler alert, it did not make it. And that is the one that I would have put on my sixth. But regardless, we have five Best Supporting Actor nominees. Who do we got? You wanted to create some differences so you couldn't just knock off one. So I, we, Yeah. We have Tom Cruise for Magnolia. Uh-huh. So uh, a, a holdover. That's a holdover. Michael Clark Duncan from The Green Mile, another Hold, holdover. Another holdover. Haley Joel Osment for... Sixth Sense, another holdover. Third holdover. Our two new ones are Brad Pitt for Fight Club. Of course. Makes sense. And Lawrence Fishburne for his role in The Matrix. For The Matrix. As Morpheus. As Morpheus. Like, and you got to imagine, uh, The Matrix gets a lot of love in these. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the Matrix is going to be a big presence on this list. And it, as well, I think it should be. In hindsight, it might be one of the most important films of the past 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I would argue the two most impactful films of this year, as far as still being in conversation, still being referenced, would be Sixth Sense and The Matrix. Sure. I mean, I would also throw in Fight Club. like those Fight Club, too, yeah. Those so three. I would say those are the top three. But, I mean, the things that Sixth Sense did, in addition to launching M. Night Shyamalan's career... As well as like it changed the, the Matrix, way storytelling could be done, changing the effects world yes. and everything like that. Um, and Fight Club well kind as, of doing both, as well as showing <laughs> Keanu Reeves as yes a badass, yes, which obviously paved the way for where we're at with for Keanu John Reeves Wick. now. I know, and we and listen, we cut some big ones there. Malkovich and being John Malkovich. Um, Jamie Foxx in Any Given Sunday. Paul Giamatti in Man on the Moon is phenomenal. Alan Rickman in Galaxy Quest mm -hmm. are amazing performances that did Never not make. Up. Never Surrender. That, mo that moment still makes me, you know, get a little teary-eyed. Um, let's go to Best Actress. Now, Best Actress, uh, again, this one, in hindsight, I feel like, they mostly like they mostly got it right for what happened. Um, Bill, uh, uh, Hillary Swank won for Boys Don't Cry. A lot of people considered that an upset, though, over Annette Benning for American Beauty. Mm -hmm. Then we also had Janet McTeer for Tumbleweeds, Julianne Moore for The End of the Affair, and Meryl Streep again for Music of the Heart. Um, Best Actress was not, a, as we see by looking back 20 years, there's a theme running throughout all these nominations is that the fields are not very deep. They're not very colorful. Um, and there just wasn't a lot that many good roles for women back in the day. Mm -hmm. We have some interesting ones here, though. So who do we have for Best Actress? So our carryovers are Hilary Swank for Boys Don't Cry, mm -hmm. as well as Annette Benning for American Beauty. Yes. Our newcomers are Julia Stiles for 10 Things I Hate About You. Wow. Drew Barrymore for Never Been Kissed. Wow. And Winona Ryder for Girl Interrupted. Not as big of a wow, but clearly, again, 10 Things I Hate About You and Never Been Kissed are 
monumental uh, or had monumental impacts in the female community in the rom-com world like those are two of the most popular rom-coms like maybe I don't want to say ever but they're on they're in the conversation and they're fueled by this but this was long after the time of like Meg Ryan getting attention rom-coms don't really necessarily bring the type of academy attention that maybe they should um but yeah uh the 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 actress field again was uh was a little bit short. Let's talk about best actor. This one a little this one ugh, we're we're going to see what's going to happen here because this is when Kevin Spacey won for American Beauty. Uh he beat Russell Crowe for The Insider, Richard Farnsworth for The Straight Story, Sean Penn for Sweet and Lowdown, and Denzel Washington for The Hurricane. And according to our voters, big turnover here. Big turnover. With the exception, amazingly, and I don't know why, maybe because of this very win, Kevin Spacey kept stayed on. Well, I mean, and let's let's make it clear, you know, this wasn't a, you know, taking into account everything with Kevin Spacey. This is I'm not interested in canceling Kevin Spacey and the performance. No. And American Beauty, even though now 20 years later maybe doesn't have the same relevance or it's not as revered or or people maybe don't, even a little problematic pe- people don't come back to it yeah. like maybe other movies that we're talking about here right um but that doesn't mean it was a poor film or a poor performance from no. an acting standpoint so kevin spacey is the only holdover from uh the actor category added to this one that Absolutely, both now and then should have been there. Yes, is Jim Carrey for Man on the Moon? Maybe the biggest snub, acting snub for uh, that I can think of. One, he literally became Andy Kaufman. Yes, and two, it was the point in his life where he literally went crazy. It broke him. It broke Jim Carrey. The least, and we you could do. can't even give him an Oscar for going so committed to a role that it literally broke. Him. The least we could do is give him a hindsight award. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Bruce Willis for The Sixth Sense, Edward Norton for The Fight Club, getting a lot of love, and Tom Hanks in The Green Mile. The Green Mile is another movie that surprisingly resonated with people who voted for these. Um, it's a phenomenal film. I think it's a movie that is is very memorable if you saw it. Sure. Um, there's aspects of it that are very memorable. Obviously, there's some pretty heavy aspects of it, which right. I think obviously play into someone's memory oh, of a movie. Um, just like Shawshank, I think there's a lot of people out there that only saw Shawshank once. Right. And yet they can specifically remember the feelings that they had about mm-hmm. it and memories that they had about it, even though they've only seen it once. Probably not a lot of people that can do that with some of these other films. Probably not. Um, it's probably not that easy to do, as you said. Uh, just a lot of nominees here and a lot of really good choices that didn't make the cut again like should denzel still be on the list like yeah probably probably should still be on the list but people don't talk about his nobody talks about the hurricane no even though he was fantastic in it and if you were to revisit you'd be like why aren't people talking about this more? right that's fine but in the history of denzel and and maybe he gets hurt a little bit by the fact that He's gone on and and done more iconic and bigger roles that people remember that Hurricane gets kind of lost in that. It will absolutely be on his scroll one day when 
they're giving him the achievement award or if they already did i don't remember oh yeah um it'll be one of the ones that they show because it was that good of a performance but at the same time you know for this year it's not one of those that stands out to you now 20 years and later Den- denzel's gonna get his later on like in two years he does training day and sure. that's spoiler alert Denzel's not going to be losing that. He like in hindsight, that is correct. <laughs> so there's that. Um, all right, David, I'll let you. I'll, I'll uh, we'll we'll keep the format going and we'll we'll read through the the last uh, two categories here. But for best director in 1999 or technically in 2000, Sam Mendes won for his very first feature. He was a, a, a stage director and he directed American Beauty and won the Oscar. Very rare that that happens. Spike Jones was nominated for being John Malkovich. Uh, Lassie Halstrom was nominated for the Cider House Rules. Michael Mann was nominated for the Insider, and M Night Shyamalan was nominated for his first feature mm-hmm. uh, for The Sixth Sense. So, I mean, Michael Mann, obviously huge fans of here on the podcast. Sam Mendes, he got out of the revolutionary road funk and did Bond in 1917, and now he's back on the top of our list. But this one also had a couple of big switch-ups. Yeah, so our holdovers are Mendez and Shyamalan. Yep. Um, funny enough, the two first-time directors. Yep. It's uh, still, in hindsight, like, still amazing. And the new ones are the artists formerly known as the Wachowski brothers. Just but the now the Wachowskis now. now. Yeah. For The Matrix. Yep. David Fincher for Fight Club. Yep. Obviously at household name now incredible and under undervalued under awarded absolutely and uh green mile frank darabont darabont frank darabont another like uh shawshank the mists a personal favorite of mine Mm -hmm. so again a really interesting standout list and then last but certainly not least we have best picture we have 10 nominees for best picture back on the 72nd annual Oscars, American Beauty won Best Picture, and it was joined in its nominees by The Green Mile, The Insider, The Sixth Sense, and The Cider House Rules. So four movies that started with the word the, mm-hmm. and then American Beauty. And American Beauty is what won. Mm-hmm. And as always, when we try to do the Hindsight Awards, when when I've done this in the past and, and now that we've run the the kind of public voting as well, one of my biggest goals in the Hindsight Awards is to get the underrepresented genres in there. Animations, comedies, thrillers. And I think we've done that this year. We have 10 nominees now. David, who has made Best Picture? Well, and one thing to clarify, too, in this category, they only had five. But back then in 1999, there was only five. There was only five. So it wasn't that the Academy ignored the fact that they could go up to 10. They just um, didn't. They just that back then it was five nominees They didn't only. change that till 2009. Yeah, so for the next 10 years of these, uh-huh. if we're still doing these We are. We're going to be doing ten, five more <laughs> nominees. It was really exciting to me. Yeah. Um, there'll be more nominees starting then. Good. So, but for now, we removed off the list the Cider House rules. We also removed... Um, the insider. The insider. Those were the two that the, didn't make it. The holdovers are American Beauty, The Green Mile, and The Sixth Sense. Yep. Uh, added to the list, Office Space, iconic. An iconic comedy. Like in again, in hindsight, a movie that nobody saw, but now everybody can quote. Yep. 
The Matrix. I mean, what more can you say? Iron Giant, a personal fave of yours. Maybe the best animated movie of all time, but also joined by... For Rick, at least. For me, it's my favorite animated movie of all time. It's the top 10 movie for me all time. Yeah. Um, but it's also joined on this list by another movie that might have something to say about that. Yep. Uh, Toy Story 2. Yep. Fight Club. Naturally. Galaxy Quest, probably one that people aren't expecting to see on this. Probably not, but also, again, one of the more like critically adored movies now. Um, they just released a documentary about the making of this, and they've mm-hmm. had a lot of people revisiting it now, like 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Especially when you look at like how it launched like somebody like Sam Rockwell. Um, it's maybe one of the best Star Trek movies ever made, even yeah. though it's not Star Trek at all. Uh, Galaxy Quest had to be on here. Yeah. And last but not least, Magnolia. Magnolia. Paul Thomas Anderson back in the day, like still underappreciated and nowadays getting more appreciated, obviously Phantom Thread and and whatnot. But Paul Thomas Anderson, even though he didn't get the directing love, like Magnolia is an incredible film and the cast and the writing and everything about it deserves to be recognized. So those are our hindsight nominees. Now, you can go, as you're listening to this right now, you can go to our Twitter page at The Popcorn Diet. You can go to our website, popcorndietpodcast.com, any one of our social medias, and you can vote right now for who you think should win the hindsight awards in each one of those categories. So go again to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. Go to our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. And let your voice be heard. Change history by voting on the Hindsight Awards. Now, with all of that being said, David, I'm done looking at the past. And it's time to look to the present. And I know you want to talk about the gentleman. Do you want to talk about the gentleman? I would love to talk about the gentleman. Okay, but before we do, we got to take a quick little break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everybody that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting subscribe or hitting that follow button wherever you're listening from us. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, and share The Popcorn Diet with your other good movie buddies. Uh, We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Not only is it going to help us As creators, you should support any of the creators of the content that you listen to, but it's also going to give you access to exclusive patron-only episodes, early access to our regular episodes, and more. So check us out, patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. Of course, we don't want you to forget to follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at thepopcorndiet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, our hindsight awards voting, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But David, the gentleman, Guy Ritchie, he's back. Getting back to his roots. He's back to, well, I mean, kind of. Uh, I I do want to ask you that, but are you happy to have him back? I am. He spent a lot of time in the the franchise – uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the, the franchise Thunderdome, if you will. He mowed through two Sherlock Holmes movies. He did an unsuccessful King Arthur r- movie that I still think, if that budget had been like 75% less, would have made a actually really great movie. Yeah. And he did Aladdin, which made a shitload of money. 
mm-hmm. um, and was a pretty decent movie, like in my opinion. Like as far as like live action adaptations go, I had a good time with it. Mm-hmm. But now he's back with a smaller budget, but a no less star-studded cast. How happy are you to have him back here? I'm excited. I, 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 this was one of my most anticipated movies, mostly because of the people that were involved. Um, I wouldn't call myself like a Guy Ritchie fanatic. I sure. enjoy most of his films, if not all of them. But, you know, when you talk about McConaughey, when you talk about Charlie Hunnam, when you talk right. about Hugh Grant, Colin when you Farrell. talk about Colin Farrell. <laughs> but it, on paper, when I found it on IMDb as one of the movies that was coming up before there was any posters or, you know, trailers or any right. of that, like it was something that intrigued me. I mean, you look um, at that, you look at and you see Guy Ritchie. It's called The Gentleman. Yeah. And you put those names in the cast. Yeah. How can you not be but <laughs> a I think little what, interested? I think I got even more excited when I saw the trailer and you saw Colin Farrell playing like a super quirky, like supporting role. Yes. Type of character, which I think is his strong suit. It is. Um, I mean, w- I agree. When you see Hugh Grant going off type and not being like the bumbly, like lovable, like right. whatever. Right. When you see him going off type, you know, like that is all enjoyable. And when you see that it's Guy Ritchie getting back to kind of his caper, gangster, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. roots of, you know, things like, like lock, stock and snatch, two smoking barrels, snatch, those types of things um, that really, I think, gave him his name and really kind of brought him to prominence. Yeah. It's it's fun to see him go back to that. And yeah. and there's things that you know, going into it, you kind of wondered and and as the reviews started to come in, you could tell that like maybe this won't be as successful as those others because the times have changed a little bit and right. maybe this is more of a throwback to those movies and when those came out and right. maybe those movies wouldn't do as well because they're a little irreverent in certain ways sure. and, and play to a certain type and a certain demographic and don't necessarily mind their P's and Q's, right. you know, from that standpoint. Um, but at the same time, like for me, like when I go see the movie, like I'm excited for seeing something different, seeing Absolutely. something original seeing these characters get to be something that they aren't normally getting away from type. And so I was excited for it. And did it fulfill your it did. expectations? You know, I'm not, I'm not, it pro- It wouldn't surprise me if it doesn't end up in my top 10 for the year. Sure. Like I'm not saying like, I think it was that good. No. But it didn't disappoint, especially for a movie coming out in January. I think we always have tapered expectations for that. Yes. Um, but I enjoyed the hour and 40 minutes or whatever it was that we spent with it. Yeah. I think there's definitely some memorable performances. I think it's definitely a movie I could see if it was on TV, like sitting through a segment of it. I think it's going to be a very rewatchable movie from that standpoint. Yeah. Um, one that maybe you don't sit down and watch the entire start to finish, but if it's on cable and you see it on the guide and there's nothing else to watch, you you hop over to it and watch it. Like if um, if if you flip through the channels and Colin Farrell standing at the food uh, uh, food table, exactly or the, the food um, what do you call it counter? Yep, I'm gonna watch for the next 15 20 minutes minimum. Absolutely, because there are some memorable scenes and things that I think people will come back to. Um, I don't know if it'll be quotable like a movie like Snatch, sure, where like 
you know, there's lots of lines that you take from it, like dogs. Sure, I like dogs. Yeah. Or, you know, five minutes Turkish, all those types mm-hmm. of things. Um, so I don't know that it'll be like that. I don't think it's on the level of those movies for Guy Ritchie, but I, I was happy with it. I walked out enjoying it. I'd see it again. Yo, definitely. I think it's definitely an enjoyable film. I think, as you said, the performances and the people playing, like everybody is making choices here. Um, maybe not McConaughey. I don't know if McConaughey knew that he wasn't in a Lincoln commercial, because uh, it just feels like McConaughey. He just embraces like, the Lincoln character. He's just sitting there. I would like to he- see him add when he's on the Lincoln commercials. Now, I would like him to get the earring that he had in this movie yeah. and wear it, and just we're just gonna accept that this is. His character from the gentleman in these Lincoln commercials. I just think the Lincoln commercials should their new catchphrase should be like when the lion is hungry he eats. They should, <laughs> they should as for fun as a comedy spot. They should have done this in the Super Bowl, of like yes, have the ending of like the commercial be like the car driving away or like him being in the car mm-hmm. and like someone like pounding on the trunk like they're in the trunk of the car. That <laughs> would have worked out very well. <laughs> I don't know that goes to the marketing that Lincoln wants. Probably but, not. Know. It's probably it's probably um Lincoln isn't necessarily selling to the London hoodlum gangster um you I mean, know everybody makes their decisions, you know. It's true. It's a very good point. Um I I really enjoyed all the performance in this movie. Um Charlie Hunnam is, I think, the most understated of the performances, but he's like the solid. You know, he's there's a movie I cannot remember the name of the movie. I can't. I I know that uh, maybe you can tell me, but it's a movie where the guy is talking about how like some people when they get nervous, when they get excited, when they get stressed out, their hand shakes, but not me. My hand always steady. And it's uh, he's talking about killing people, but that's Charlie Hunnam in this movie. He is steady. The entire movie, and I really like that. Um, he's probably the most cool-headed, but there are moments in the film where there are slow reveals, and you're just like, oh, like he's just a badass. Um, McConaughey is phenomenal. Um, I really liked Henry Golding as like kind of the bad guy, dry eye. Uh, again, maybe some of the maybe some of the Asian things in this movie aren't exactly in. Tw- in 2020 nature um but honestly i didn't find this movie to be terribly like offensive and not in the way that i personally would be offended but in the way that i can watch something and say oh people will not like this i got two movies for you on your steady on my steady hand quote okay is it blazing saddles it's not blazing saddles so then you're definitely talking about the departed when leo's in the that's the shrink. It's and definitely says, that. Yeah. Yes, right. that's it's the departed. You're 100 percent correct. Um, you, wow. Nailed it, by the way. Um, but that's Hunnam in the movie. Solid, steady the entire time. Yep. Um, here's my question to you. MVP. Uh, Hugh Grant or Colin Farrell? To me, it's Colin Farrell. OK. To me, Colin Farrell has the Brad Pitt snatch role, uh-huh. but different. It's different. Yeah, no, it's it's I'm not saying they play the same but person. But it's the flashy it's, side character. It's the flashy side character. It's the one that you're yearning for more time of him being on the screen it's and the I one think that I think the trademark of be. a great supporting like a super memorable one is they don't give you 
too much time on the screen for it to wear off. Right. For the, the uniqueness and the joy of that character to right. wear off. If they were on the screen for an hour and 20 minutes of the hour and 40 minutes, then you would, it would probably wear off. And and maybe that's what's working against Hugh Grant a little bit to make him less is that he's the narrator of our story. And so he's on there so much that some of those like really quirky mm-hmm. things like that just become kind of not necessarily mundane or anything, but you, you get used to you it. You get used to it. Sure, yeah. sure. You get used to this is how that character is where like Colin Farrell is burning bright the whole Every time. time he's on the screen. And he's not even that crazy, too. Like, he's not that big of a caricature like um, like Brad Pitt was. Like, yeah. Brad Pitt is a huge, flashy... It's Mickey. It's Irish yeah. Mickey Ward. Like, everybody remembers Irish... Is Mickey Ward? Is it Ward? Or is that the fighter? Is Mickey Ward? It's Mickey something. I think Mickey Ward is the fighter. Um, and uh, Brad Pitt's character is Mickey something else. Um, Mickey O'Neill. Mickey O'Neill. Thank you. Mickey, Mickey say, Ward. Uh, Ward isn't Irish enough. Mickey Ward is uh, is um, uh, Marky Mark in the Fighter. There you That's go. That's Mickey yep, Ward. Yep. Um, but he, I, he's Brad, uh, Colin Farrell is just extremely funny in this movie and extremely good, and his character's great. And he's like that character. Like, of course, everybody wants to be McConaughey. You know, everybody wants to be the guy in the sharp suit, drinking a pint, cool, calm, and collecting whatever. But in reality, what's what I find interesting about these supporting characters is that they are more relatable. So that you will get more people who are like, oh, I want to act like Brad Pitt. Not because he's the main character, but because he's just the, the funniest, coolest one out of a, a sea of cool characters. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I I agree. Colin Farrell, phenomenal. Cannot wait to see him in the Batman as Oswald Cobblepot. That's going to be insane. Uh, I did have another, another question for you. Most of Guy Ritchie's movies, uh, his gangster movies, obviously, mm-hmm. deal with like these low-level dirtbags who mm-hmm. are all trying to grab at some form of money or power or what have you. And, and that's where most of the hijinks come into play because they're so inept they're so bad at what they do, oftentimes they luck into success and then have it immediately snatched away from them. This movie is more about people at the top, you know. Um, it flashes back, obviously, to show McConaughey's reign, or the, the growth of his reign. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, McConaughey is up at the top of, of, of the food chain. Uh, he's married to Michelle Dockery, who is, again, cool, calm, collected, super cool, super suave. Um, Charlie Hunnam, like, is never in, like, he's the right-hand man, and there's no, like, there's no tomfoolery between them. You know, he's a loyal right-hand man. Um, even Colin Fair, all these guys are playing guys who are, for the most part, good at what they do and at the top of what they do. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's why maybe it's not, like, again, we both enjoyed this film, but we can both recognize it's not at snatch level. It's not at lock stock level. Do you think maybe that's why? I, it could be. I think the difference with those movies is there's a whole lot more comedic element to it. And sure. this has some of that. This has some of the accidents and the oh crap. How are right. we going to get out of this situation? The way Colin Farrell gets into this story is hilarious. Absolutely. Like So there's definitely those portions of it. But yes, most of the time we're left to believe that these this is more like alpha dogs clashing right. almost. It's and people of power trying to, you know, re, not reestablish, but to kind of 
redistribute that power. Yeah, I want so more of it. I, I think there's definitely that. I think also, you know, while this cast has a lot of people in it, if you compare it to like a Snatch, Snatch had so many people in it. Right. Like there's so many additional people <laughs> in that film um, that you think about. I think also um, maybe to some point, and, and, and maybe I'll pause on that and say, coming back to the McConaughey character, which I think may have play a role in this film mm-hmm. in, in kind of feeling out of place a little bit mm-hmm. because he's the only one that's not English in this film. True. Really. I, maybe Matthew, I think, is not English as well. Uh, well, Jeremy, uh, which J- is Jeremy, Jeremy Strong's Strong, yeah. character. Yeah. Both of them are are represented as being from the States. Yeah. Which he's had state state people before. Like, but the, my But my question is, do you think... Do you think Guy Ritchie said, I really want McConaughey in this role? Heard McConaughey try to be English and be like, nah. Or, or even just thought of McConaughey like being this hometown Texas person and said like, no way, let's create a backstory <laughs> to say he came from like Texas, Oklahoma. It's very area. possible. It's very possible. Like, Because uh, even I, his name, Mickey Pearson, more screams of like Irish. He loves the name Mickey, by Mickey, the way. Mickey, yeah, he does. Um, but even Mickey Pearson would make me think of like uh-huh. an English or Irish person. Right. Uh, but I don't think, you know, I love McConaughey and he's a great actor, but I don't know that he could pull off an English or an Irish accent. I don't know either. I mean, maybe his, I'd have to look at his, his, I'd have to look at his filmography. But I do love the idea of just thinking that Matthew McConaughey is just playing his Lincoln commercial Just like, yeah. <laughs> Well, and again, like when you have a main character who is as um, as suave and as cool and as collected as Matthew McConaughey is, you can't help but feel like maybe some of the tension is removed. You know, like you need to feel a little bit of panic. And I think they achieve that at the end. There's a couple of twists at the end. We're not going to do spoilers on yeah. this episode. But there's a couple of twists near the end where the panic kind of gets ratcheted up a little bit. But there's never that desperation, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next that you feel when you're with the guys in Snatch, any of the guys in Snatch, yeah. you know? Well, so and there I is- wonder if that removes some of the dramatic uh, whether it be funny or whether it be dramatic, I wonder if it, that's why. It I think you. I think you much. could also potentially say that maybe it's lessened because we're used to Guy Ritchie movies now and the way that he approaches storytelling. Um, not to get back to our Little Women conversation earlier, but like Guy Ritchie is someone that very much I can't really think of many of his stories other than, and I don't even know if Aladdin is that way where he tells a story from point A to point Z. Like, Without jumping around a he little. He usually starts in the middle. No, Aladdin starts with them on the boat. Yeah, And exactly. they're like, let me tell you a story. Yeah, exactly. So like, if you think of almost all of Guy Ritchie, he can't tell a linear story. He <laughs> likes to jump around in his storytelling, and that's the same in this film. And so maybe it's that, you know, when it was Snatch and when it was Lockstock and rock and roll in that like right it was all new and super create and felt super creative in that and now it's like an, another guy Ritchie movie that's coming back right. to this we're not going to give you as many points for being original and different because right. we've seen this from you before that and again i think 
the rating that it gets like on a Rotten Tomatoes is it's, I think it's I think fine. it's I think it's pretty fair. Like yeah. not that I always agree with where they end up with that, but no, I think, because Rotten Tomatoes sucks and is pointless. But it's true. But I think it's at seventy two percent, which is fair. if you told me to give it a a Rotten Tomatoes rating that I think is fair, like it'd on their the scale, 70s. it'd probably be in the seventies. Sure. So I think it's fair, and I think um, you know if you're thinking about seeing this film, like you're not going to go there and see Guy Ritchie's best movie. You're not going to see his worst. No. You're going to see some memorable performances. Yeah. It's going to be a fun time. It's not going to be an Oscar movie, but not every movie needs to be an Oscar movie. It's true. I, I also, and the last thing I'll mention on that before we give our final popcorn ratings is I do think it's funny because I was thinking about how Guy Ritchie was like British Tarantino, basically, but not as, uh, clearly not sure, as sure. good. But he liked to make his crime movies, you know? And now we live in a world where... For the past 20 some odd years, Tarantino, Guy Ritchie, all of these directors have now grown up and they're some of them are in the twilight of their careers. Some of them are looking to to wrap things up. Some of them are, are a little more um, not necessarily nostalgic, but you look at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the story that tells and the characters in that movie and where they are in their lives and you can almost see, not quite, but you can almost see the juxtaposition between maybe Guy Ritchie's been through all these franchises, yeah. he's made all this money, he's now, you know, back when he was just a, a London scrapper making Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, he was, you know, a real rough boy and all that. But now he's making Disney movies. Yeah. He's And you kind of see that reflect in their art, and I find that interesting. Well, and I think even, you know, taking some... You know, I think there was definitely some commentary in this film that maybe was on a deeper level than most of his Sure, I mean, this too. movie and takes the piss out of, like, English tabloids in a big, bad way. It does, but it also does things like, uh, you know, the perception of weed and, and the thing. Yep. Like, there's, sure. there's a conversation, McConaughey, and this doesn't spoil anything, but McConaughey talks about how, you know, when he's talking to another drug dealer that uh, deals mm-hmm. heroin or, or things like that, and he says, you know, my my drugs don't kill anybody. Right. You, you know? deal in and, the destroyer of worlds. Yeah. Which exactly. I love that. That's exactly. Some good stuff. And so um even just the commentary on weed, and there's the commentary on the idea of weed becoming legal in places and mm-hmm. how that's gonna change the dynamic of distributing and selling weed and things like that. And so uh, there's definitely some things that I feel like are a more mature conversation than like a lot of his previous films. Right. Like in Snatch, we're talking about like a gambling, gambling issues and a diamond, boxing and a diamond heist, all, gun, and things like that. Stuff. Like, there's no like, there's no like world commentary really Gypsies. in that film. <laughs> so, whereas this one, like, there's things that you could say are are definitely timely and of the times, and sure, and talking about things that are relevant today as well. You're good at your job, Fletcher, but I'm better. Um, exactly, absolutely. All right, let's wrap this up with our popcorn rating. Popcorn. You're making popcorn? Uh Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Now, if you've never listened to an episode of the podcast, this is a weird one to start with because it's not our normal format, but we rate movies on a different scale than most people. We don't give five popcorns or two popcorns up or whatever. We have five categories of popcorn ratings. The first is burnt popcorn, meaning a movie is garbage. Don't waste your time. No matter what, it's worthless. We have stale popcorn, which is just – it's – 
you, you really don't like it. You, you hate to see it. It's not great. Maybe it would work in a pinch, but try to avoid it and definitely don't spend any money on it. We have microwave popcorn, which means it's, it's okay. It's fine. It's middle of the road. Your mileage may vary. Some people love microwave popcorn. Some people find it disappointing. That's what microwave popcorn is. We then have movie theater popcorn, which means you should probably go see this in the movie theaters. It's worth the time worth the energy for you to go buy some movie theater popcorn and see it on the big screen. And the last we have is perfect popcorn, meaning go see this on the biggest screen you can as soon as possible. And if we're ever not sure, if we're ever in the middle on any of these, we just throw a soda on the side of it. So we'd say microwave popcorn and a soda. Uh, So for you, David, where does the gentleman fall? What popcorn do you give it? It's movie theater popcorn for me. Okay. Um, Mostly because... This is a film that hits on a lot of things for me that I enjoy. So it's got a lot of characters I enjoy. Yep. If if nothing else, I would probably give this movie theater popcorn for Colin Farrell's performance oh, absolutely. alone. Absolutely. Like I would come back to this film, I would go see it in the theater just to see when he's on the film. But I also love Charlie Hunnam in it. I love a lot I love Hugh Grant in it. I love a lot of the performances in there. Um, McConaughey is lower on my list, but that's not because he does a bad job in this. It's just it's not as memorable. Right. He doesn't get the flashy role. Exactly. Exactly. I agree with you. It's movie theater popcorn for me as well. It's it's certainly not everybody's cup of tea, you know. I mean, but that's crime movies in general. But in if if you want to talk about crime movies and Guy Ritchie movies, it's movie theater popcorn. You should go check it out, especially, as you said, David, in January. I've actually had some pretty impressive January movies with this, Bad Boys for Life. Like, those are these are legitimately good movies that you should get out of the cold and go see on a big screen. Take the time before you get too busy with the year and check them out. I agree with everything you said. The characters are great. The story's a lot of fun. The twists, the turns, all that kind of stuff is really enjoyable. So it's movie theater popcorn for me as well. And that is going to do it for this episode. Next week, we have our final Oscar predictions. Check that out. Do not forget to go to our website, to our social media. Vote on the third annual Hindsight Awards. Don't forget, you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting subscribe, hitting that follow button. Take a second, subscribe, follow, give us a rating, give us a review, share The Popcorn Diet with your good movie buddies. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. Just support creators in general. If you can find a way to support creators, do it. Throw a couple bucks their way. If you like something and listen to something, throw a couple of dollars a month their way to show your support. Don't forget, as I mentioned before, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, all of our latest articles, our regular episodes, our hindsight awards, and more can be found on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time talking about the Oscars on The Popcorn Diet. Adios.